and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. Kyla, you got a lot to talk about. Go. Go, go, go. I have so much to talk about. So <laughs> last weekend was freaking amazing. Um, we So we were, uh, and by we, I mean Wintermore Tactics Club, uh, was at the Indie Mini Booth, which is part of the Indie Mega Booth. But it's like a it's like a big it's like I don't know twice the size of a normal booth space or so, um, and they just have a ton of games there. But the games are only there for two days of packs instead of the full four days. So there's like one set that's there for Friday Saturday, and then they switch out and they do a different set for um, Sunday Monday. So we were there Friday Saturday. Uh, we showed Wintermore. It had a huge like positive reception i'm like super pumped and while we were there uh valve decided that they were gonna showcase games from pax on the front page of steam um so like there was a there was a pax banner and if you clicked it it was like pax rising pax 10 indie mega booth and all the indie mega booth games were there including us so we were on the front page of steam you guys how how many billions of times have you been wishlisted uh, not billions, but we did our wish lists week to week did go up over eight thousand percent. Damn, that's some so, that's some metrics. Good job, congratulations. Nice. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Hell yeah! Uh, I Proud think of you. Our, to- our total wish lists ended up go uh, ended up like basically doubling um, from like lifetime up until that point to. That plus PAX weekend was, <laughs> like, again, <laughs> as much. And we were actually on the front page of PAX twice because they also posted um, the six games, which is the Seattle Indies Expo, mm-hmm. which we were also at on Sunday. Nice. Uh, which is just, like, indie games by local Seattle devs. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, like, a much more chill show because it's, like, just one uh, conference room in, like, a hotel and it was like 25 games or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like if the Indie Mega Booth was its entire own con. Um, and they go, so PAX normally goes, I think it's like 9 to 6. Uh, and uh, 6, the Seattle Indies Expo, goes noon to 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. So that people who are done with PAX for the day can then come and see 6. So there was a, there was a lot of cool stuff. Apparently I met Northern Lion, maybe. Um, I didn't realize it huh. because I don't really like know him by sight. Um, but he tweeted about seeing our game at six afterwards. Nice. <laughs> so either, I mean, maybe I wasn't at the booth at the time cause I did take some time to like wander around and go see some stuff that day. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's cool. Uh, I also saw, uh, Rami from a distance, Rami Ishmael in, uh, at six. So there was like a lot of cool people there. Uh, and a lot of cool games. Um, so I'm just going to, like, briefly go down a list of some of my favorites that I saw at PAX. <clears throat> because, man, were there some amazing games that we were there with. Um, like, us and Roundguard are, like, the two that I sort of, like, knew. Where I'm like, alright, I know I like Roundguard. I'm already in the beta. Like, they're fantastic. I got to meet the dev, which was neat. Um one more I have to talk about. Uh, okay. So, uh, from the top, Quench. Um, Quench 
I don't even know that much about it because I like looked at it very briefly. Um, I saw that it's like a story about two warring nature gods and you like wander around with nature powers like affecting the ecosystem. And someone told me it was somewhat similar to Rus. Uh, and also they had the most beautiful enamel pins at the entire show. So I was like, ah, screw it. I'm just not even going to play the demo. Just sell me your game. Because, <laughs> like, clearly this is, like, a game made for me. I'm just going to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> so I bought the pack where I got, like, both of the enamel pins and a game key. Um, so I will play that and let you all know how it is. I will maybe also take a picture of the pins for us to post on our Twitter. Because hot damn are they gorgeous pins. Um, and, okay, then was Creature in the Well which is a twin-stick pinball game uh, where it's it's not exactly pinball because you are effectively the paddle and you can move around. It reminds me a little bit of, like, Hyperlight Drifter in certain ways. Yeah, I was looking at uh, it and I got strong Hyperlight Drifter vibes for sure. Yeah, it, but it's got its own, like, very unique visual aesthetic that I am super into. This yeah, kind of I've weird... I've been checking out the shaders of those. <laughs> Yeah, right? It's like this mm -hmm. weird minimalist grunge look that I'm, like, super into, so... It's kind of comic booky. Yeah, 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 yeah. It really is. Um, so I played a little bit of the demo. I did not do very well, but I was playing on controller, and I feel like I'm a little bit better at twin-sticky type stuff uh, with mouse and keyboard, so I'm hoping that I will be able to actually complete that game. <laughs> Because my one my one worry about it is that, like, I will be bad at it. I think it's going to be a freaking awesome game, though. Um, but, yeah, so you have, like, a, this, this sword, and you're bouncing around, like, these energy balls uh, into essentially, like, pinball bumpers and stuff. But it's, like, a m monstrous dungeon thing. I think you're, you're like, uh, the last surviving android or something like that. I don't know. It looks cool and punk, and I'm into it. Um, Spiritfarer is a game about moving on from death where you play like basically the ferryman on the river sticks except you're like an adorable little witch girl uh and the spirits are all animal spirits and i highly recommend google uh like or look them up on steam to look at some screenshots because the spirit designs are just like chef kiss uh they are the they're all animal based the one for the snake spirit made me laugh out loud. It's amazing. Um, and, yeah, so I guess, like, the people are represented by these animal spirits, and you have to take them on your boat, and it's like a adventure game slash management sim where you have to, like, build up the boat with the right houses for people and, like, bring them along on their journey and get them to the afterlife. Oh, I remember seeing this uh, uh, at... Just like in a, you know, a sizzle reel, um, mm -hmm. I want to say maybe at E3. So this looks familiar, at least. I did exactly what you said, and I'm looking at it right now. So Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, see if you can find the snake, because the snake's design is, like, my favorite thing. <laughs> he is, he is one, con he's a snake in a cloak. Oh, I, like I see it. Yep. <laughs> oh, cute. He's, he's, like, one continuous snake, so, like... There are two armholes, and one of the armholes is the end of his tail, and the other armhole is just like a little loop of his coils. <laughs> I like it. Oh, that's it's, good. Yeah, it's super cute looking. Uh, I am very excited to play that. Um, 
Mutazione, which is a game also, I think, kind of about dealing with death. But it's like uh, your your grandfather is dying, and you come to this island with a bunch of mutants, and it's kind of it, it's got an adventure gamey sort of interface. It's kind of like walking simulator ish, um, but it's visually very cool. And like, there's this metaphor of the island where like everyone is mutants, and you kind of like are a, a stranger coming to this place and, and investigating. Um, but it also has this mechanic where you collect. Your dad leaves you, or your grandfather leaves you this, like, book of botany that he put together for the island. And you collect seeds from various plants in the island and grow gardens. And there's, I think the dev told me there's something like 300 different unique seeds or something like that um, for different plants. And each one has its own instrument. And so as you garden, you build a garden of, like, procedural music, which sounds really cool. Yeah, so I'm excited. Nara Wild Hearts is uh, a new game from Annapurna, and I think it's only going to be on the Switch, which is, like, super disappointing to me because I don't have a Switch, so I may have to, like, buy it and go to a friend's house to play it or, like, borrow their Switch or something. Um, But Sayonara Wild Hearts is just bonkers. It's like a neon-colored motorcycle racing rhythm dance battle game. Oh yeah, this one. Okay. Yes. I like it is just real out there. I watched like a boss fight that was like a a dance battle against a, a motorcycle gang and it's it's just trippy and it looks amazing. <laughs> it looks like real weird in a way that I am very into. It's it's almost, yes. almost like difficult to describe. I recommend like go look up a trailer uh, for Sayonara Wild Hearts if it sounds interesting to you. Like okay, because... I'm I'm looking at images and here's how I will describe it. It looks like Kentucky Route Zero plus Persona plus rave? motorcycles. Yes, plus a rave. Plus a rave. Plus yes, no more heroes. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of a No More Heroes kind of vibe. I don't know. Hey, do you it like is, any video game? Try this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. Of, it looks like it is a lot of things, but it also looks like they are well integrated together. And at this point, I trust uh, Annapurna. Also, it wasn't on my list, but uh, Telling Lies was also at the Annapurna booth, which is the like oh, yeah. spiritual successor to her story. Mm-hmm. Um. And that looks interesting, too. But I did not get to see that in as much detail, so. Um, all right, Superliminal. Superliminal uh, looks like basically the next evolution of uh, Antichamber. Um, in terms of it is a game about, like, puzzles, spatial puzzles in an unexpected way. Um, it's kind of like a little bit antechamber a little bit um monument valley a little bit um oh gosh what's the name of that game where there's the narrator uh, stanley parable mm-hmm. and it it's so it's a game where you're like walking around solving spatial puzzles but the puzzles are based on i think the tagline is perception is reality so it's things like you know as you as something is bigger because you're getting closer to it 
it is also becomes physically larger. Hmm. Um, or, you know, if you line something up at the right perspective, you can create a solid shape that wasn't there before. Okay. Uh, so it's all these, like, visual tricks, like force perspective stuff and, like, optical illusion stuff as a puzzle game. All right. So it seems like in, in the same way that Antichamber kind of played with your expectations of space, this is kind of trying to do a similar thing, but it's different enough that it, it looks like it's going to be a really unique experience. Um, they are far enough, uh, like, uh, or early enough in dev that they don't have, like, an estimated release date. They don't even have a Steam page yet, unfortunately. Um, but I think they have their own website. If you search Superliminal Game, you'll probably find it. Um, and their trailer, their trailer made me like excited uh, for the, um, you know, to to learn more about it as it as it progresses. Um, few honorable mentions, I guess. Minute of Islands, which is like a cute kind of interesting looking puzzle walking sim. Uh, BFF, which is a dog based dating sim. Um, Kind of like a dream daddy, where you, except instead of like the gimmick being like you have a daughter and does your daughter get along with the other people's kids, it's you have a dog, and the other people also have dogs. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yes, the last one that I saw that I want to talk about uh, is Wooden Nickel. Uh, Wooden Nickel is by the devs of Burly Men at Sea, who I got to meet, which was really cool. Nice. I was like, oh hey, yeah, we talked about your game on our podcast. Uh, and one of the devs said that she, once Wooden Nickel comes out, she might be willing to come on the pod and uh, talk about it with us. Oh, cool. But it's a similar kind of idea as Burly Men at Sea, where it's a, you know, like a, an interesting narrative game where you get to shape the order of the narrative. But it's like Wild West themed and you interface with it through a newspaper. There's like the day's newspaper and you like click on articles and ads to progress like where you want to go next in the story hmm. and it looks super cute and just like Burly Men at Sea it has like a really like top notch minimalist art style um, that's just really lovely um, and charming um, so I am I'm also looking forward to that one and like honestly I could probably keep going for another half hour of <laughs> stuff I saw at PAX at 6 there was so much cool stuff I got real excited, you guys. Nice. Well, hell yeah. I'm glad it was a good time. Yeah. And I didn't even get to see that much because I had to spend most of the time at the booth. Yeah. Like manning the booth. <laughs> it was it was hilarious because we're we're uh, showing this like really cute uh, high like cozy high school game. Uh, set at like a boarding school that's just you know really sweet and right next to us was also like a high school game at a boarding school but it was like a Korean horror game so it's like very very different in tone <laughs> good split the audience <laughs> yeah no it was nice yeah. and then on the other side of us was Calico which is like a game with cat physics um, where cat you are a physics. magical girl and at some point you can be riding a cat and wearing a cat, and holding a cat, and also pushing a cat as a ball, all at the same time. Nice. Their uh, attract screen is just like a... Uh, their like menu screen is just a, a particle, like a snow particle effect, except all the particles are calico cats. Oh, man. It was, That's it was a good a particle. Pretty, like, 
Yeah, it was like a pretty distracting thing to be next to, but it was yeah. really <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Oh man, I had a I had just a blast. Nice. Did you have Did you um catch the Pax Pox, or were you spared? I think I was kind of spared. I think our um our combat designer may have caught it, um, mm-hmm. but we did have like hand sanitizer at the booth and I did just use it periodically just for no particular slamming just like I haven't used this in a while I should sanitize my hands slamming shots of hand sanitizer just just like God intended yep nice well that's good I'm glad you didn't get sick because I know a lot of people come out real rough on the other side yeah. I mean, we're also there only the two days, so maybe if you have the full four days of exposure, it's worse. But... And you were you were there, you said, the first two days, Friday, Saturday, yeah. right? So yeah, you probably, you didn't get the yeah. full soup if you would have been there also on Sunday. Yeah, I guess I did, I did wander around a little bit on the other two, but I was less, it was more like, okay, now that I've been here the first two days, I know, like, these three specific demos I want to play. Let me just go straight to those booths and play that. Yeah. So... I got to do that. Well. Nice. Yes. And then I went back on the very last day to, because they do, Indie Mega Booth does like a picture with all the devs, like a big group picture. So we went back just for the picture. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I wanted, I I felt like I enjoyed it enough that I wanted to commemorate it. Yeah. So. Indie Mega Booth 2019, PAX West. Baby... Yay. Yeah. So that's my PAX report. I could also do a six report, but we we literally like don't have all day here, so That's true, yeah. <laughs> uh, which again was also cool, but a little lower key. One thing that surprised me at six is that uh apparently um Supreme Courtship is still going. I had thought they had to cancel their dev. Um but they were showing there, so that was cool. Oh. Huh. The the dating sim where you date Supreme Court justices. I can see why they would uh, get shut down, but that's good that they're still that they aren't shut down, I guess. Yeah, the problem was they were in dev around the time that um, Kavanaugh's appointment happened. Oh yeah. And then there was all that scandal stuff, and it was like this is not a good time to be making a game about the Supreme Court. Yeah, that's also a really good time to make it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, I mean, as I say, I think they're still going with it, so, you know, that's cool. Just gotta lay low for a little while and, you know, come back out when uh, the coast is clear. I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I wish them the best of luck. It looks like they, they're working real hard on it, so I didn't get a chance to play it, but uh, I did. it was nearby our booth, so I did get I was sort of looking at it from a <laughs> distance. Admiring them from across the room. Yep. Uh, a lot of that happened at six. Yeah, it's fair. <laughs> uh, All right, someone, someone stop me from continuing to talk about the games I saw. Um, <laughs> I... Um, oh, Carl, were you going to want to go? Oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, had my baby's first hurricane experience. Ooh. Um, it was... Not that bad. I'm I'm like far enough north and far enough inland that it wasn't really bad where I live. Um, getting further in towards like Virginia Beach, 
apparently was real bad. Uh, it was it was just windy and rainy enough in the morning that I just didn't go to work, and they told us if the weather's bad, don't come to work, uh, and like all absences were excused and stuff. So that was fine. I just got to spend the day uh, playing video games, and by the afternoon everything was totally fine. So <laughs> that was my baby's first hurricane. Also, my kind of a baby hurricane. It sounds like. I mean, it was it was really bad, like further south. I mean, Dorian, like, fucked up the Bahamas real bad, I guess, from what I've read. Like, just everything's underwater down there. And it was probably Mm -hmm. pretty bad in Florida as well, but... Yeah. Up here. I guess, so, my boyfriend did get called, like, well, they didn't cancel work. And everyone was like, go into the office. So he normally works remote, but the remote office that he works at was closed. So they're like, oh, we'll just come into the main office in the area that's getting hit the hardest. And he oh, said, no. he said, nope, uh, and worked from home. But apparently one of his coworkers was driving in and her windshield wiper was ripped from the car. Ooh. Like, just, just the wind just, boop, nope, no windshield wiper for you. And someone, like, had to come pick her up. I'm like, you're not, you're not fucking going to work today. We're staying, we're staying here. Okay. So, yeah. So, like, tween, tween hurricane. Yeah. It's like aging, it's like Benjamin buttoning as it gets further north, I guess. That's what hurricanes do, sort of. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I actually probably experienced the worst thunderstorm I've ever had. Oh! Yeah. At the same time. Nice. Not nice, but, you know. Not, well, it's not really storm, it's thunder. But it was like, it was blinking. Ooh. For like an hour. Just like like strobe light. Of lightning, basically. Yeah. Whoa. It was really cool. That is cool. So, yeah, I, thunderstorms I, are a great, like the the awesome power of nature kind of experience where you're like, oh shit, like I could die so easily. Yeah. Yeah, our power outlets were sparking. Whoa. Other than that, it was fine. <laughs> Yikes. No, Did you... no trees went down. Did you did you lose power? Um, don't think so. Did anything during the night? Did anything like get fried? Like any of Um, your anything that was plugged into the wall? That sounds really dangerous. I mean, we were expecting it. We kind of like prepared. Okay, that's just removed stuff. My buddy got his router messed up. But that's about it. Huh. Alright. Wow. Yeah, I've never... Uh, I've never been in a storm so bad that the outlets were sparking. That's <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. <clears throat> that does sound, like, super intense. We had a bit of a thunderstorm uh, last night, though, here, that was, uh... That had some pretty intense lightning flashes, uh... Which yeah, it was short lived, so it wasn't it was not <laughs> anywhere near as intense as like sparking outlets. But it was nice because uh, we were also helping our friends move this weekend, and they basically just managed to get everything in off the U-Haul right before the rain started. Uh, that's that's a good feeling. Yeah. When you yeah. just squeak by. <laughs> yeah. So we were like eating post moving Chinese takeout. 
uh, in the living room full of boxes and then, like, heard the, like, shh of, like, the, oh, the sudden downpour started. <laughs> that sounds really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was, a uh, it was pleasant. Mm. I did get a little wet on the way back to the car when we were leaving, but other than that, it was, uh, it was a good... It's always nice to be, like, not in a thunderstorm, but, like, watching a thunderstorm from a safe location. Yes. Uh, all right. Shall we, uh, shall we get into the game? Because I think there might be some stuff to say about this game. Yeah, there might be some stuff to say about the game we played, which is, uh, Cairo, which is a game, uh, made by Richard Perrin and, uh, Locked Door Puzzle Games. And... Uh, yeah, it's a first-person wander-around-solve-puzzles abstract, moody... Minimalist. Minimalist. That sort of thing that was popular for, like, a hot minute a few years ago. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, of, of which Antichamber is probably the best example. Yeah. Uh, but we did play Naissance earlier or naissance, or however you pronounce it, uh, earlier on this self-same podcast. And let me tell you, this game reminded me why I hated that game so much. Yeah. Uh, it, it's It was better about the things that I really hated from naissance, but it also introduced a host of its, its own problems um, that naissance didn't have. Because naissance was more purely a walking simulator. Naissance did not have what I would call puzzles. Um, it was just like walk from A to B. It had maybe occasional like platforming challenges. Um, there, there was one. It had pretty some, yeah. Like, you push lights around and yeah, like there were puzzles, but not to the degree, definitely that that this game has puzzles. Yeah, um, but the thing that like, and I had for- I had entirely forgotten this until I started playing Cairo. The thing that most bothered me about Naissance was the fact that the atmosphere was just low level, like low grade tension for the entire time. Yes. And it got so grating after a while. And this game does the exact same fucking thing. And it's like 90% the music. And I just like, I'm like, just should I just turn off the sound? Because I need the sound cues for the puzzles. But like, just this like low level ambient tense noise in the background is just shredding my nerves yeah and and not only the um the music itself but the a lot of the sound effects too it's just like <sighs> like white noise or like scraping sounds uh yeah <laughs> yes uh and uh, very few curves. Everything is just like ninety degree angles for the most part. Uh, yeah, it did have more colors than mm-hmm. Naissance did. Naissance was mostly like black and white shades of gray. This one was mostly like each room is a color, or maybe two colors, but they're different colors from the previous room. Yeah, that's how you tell. That's how you know where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. You're like, oh, this is green space. This is, <laughs> like, yellow spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess let's, let's like, go through kind of a brief summary-ish of the game. We don't have to get, at least yet, into every single puzzle. Um, 
but like the the basic gist is that there are there's like an overworld like this black and white kind of outer uh area that's where it's it's sort of like a bunch of disconnected islands with blank space between them that you walk between um and then there's three of these islands that you actually go into and explore a series of rooms and some of the rooms have puzzles uh and you solve the puzzles in these rooms to collect pieces that power a machine in the center and then usually there's like similar that like finishes off powering up the machine and opens up the next area yeah so there's a little bit of like you can do each area in any order but then the areas are themselves come in like a specific order mm-hmm. um and then and you turn on all the machines and then it has an ending that reminded me very strongly of um the beginner's guide yes where you're just slowly rising up into space on a pillar of light. Yeah. Because I guess that's that's meaningful. That and, has some like, metaphorical then, resonances. And then you're in a field. Like at the oh, very yeah. end. Oh yeah, there's like there's like a Microsoft background style, like Windows background style, like pleasant scene, uh, outdoor scene of like thanks for playing. I think um, I want to say which... it was there was like a dedication and it was like this game is for everyone who like deserves a second chance or something. Yeah, who need, needed a second chance, which okay, your game wasn't about that, but okay. Yeah, like that's this is one of those things where it's like we're we're leaning so hard on tone here and everything is very I don't know dire isn't the word that I'm looking for, but everything seems like there's some big symbolism ominous. there. Yeah, ominous the, is the word you're yes, looking ominous for. Ominous, and then like... Everything is a fucking omen. Yeah, om- yes, that that works. I can live with that for sure. Um, and then, but like, none of it really has any meaning. Like, there's, like, pictures yes. on the walls. This is what frustrates me so much. Yes. Like, there's pictures on the walls, and at one point at the very end, you're, like, in a room with, a, 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 like, a hologram of the Earth and, like, photos of ruined buildings floating in front of it. Uh, and then and then you come out uh, on this field, and there's a tree, and the grass is waving in the wind, and it says, you know, you're, you, you, everyone needs a second chance. It's like, is this a game about purgatory? Is that what you're trying to do? And that's literally the only meaning that I could glean from the whole thing. Yeah, and if you can't get a connection between it, it's just a random bunch of stuff put together. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's a bunch of like, hey, this, I had an idea for this area, and this area seemed cool, and so I'm going to build this area. And they all kind of have a matching tone. Uh, But I think I've talked before on this podcast about, like, this postmodernist idea of, like, symbols losing their inherent meaning and existing just as symbols like with nothing you know metaphor with nothing behind the metaphor yeah and that's kind of what this game feels like um where it's like i'm putting these things in this because they feel weighty and portentous and i'm not sure what they're portending but feel how weighty and portentous they are yes um, also, I, th- I guess it's worth mentioning there's a secret ending that I didn't get. Kyla, you said you didn't also also didn't I did, get it. I I did not. Okay. I looked I, it up, but yeah, I, was I, say, I did look it up on YouTube. Okay, I didn't um, do that either. 
and I looked up how to get it. The, the secret ending is actually kind of a joke ending. Oh, it's okay. a dev room, and then it's like plays some silly, like a silly MIDI version of the music, uh, and uh, all okay. the islands become like a giant uh, coffee machine that pours a cup of coffee, and there's a giant robot dinosaur that comes in. And okay, so it's... it might not be a robot dinosaur; it's just a dinosaur. Okay, and, so uh, it's it's, it's like... not the kind of secret ending that like gives you extra insight. It's just no. Okay. It's a joke. Okay, that 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 that's fair then. Yeah. So Cairo, or or we got the postmodernist again. Yeah, or it could just be yeah the post sort of postmodernist reveal if you want to say that this is a postmodern game. So I will say though, like there probably is some meaning to all of this. It's just that like it's not getting through. You think? I think it's hard to make this type of game without having a thought behind it. That's fair. Um, unless your goal is just to do cool level design. Yeah, but then you shouldn't put it in stuff like that. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, and it maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it is just like it, it. There is something it's trying to communicate that just is not getting across because the communication in this game is very obtuse, um, which you can see mostly in the puzzle design, which we'll get to. Um, and so it's like it it would be very possible for there to be like, oh, clearly this game is about blah, but like that thing is just not communicated in any way <laughs> or just communicated in a way that makes a lot of sense to the original creator. Um, and it it's a very easy thing to do when you're making art for the idea to seem very clear to you in your head uh, and just fail to reach beyond the bounds of inside your head. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I mean, I, that can be one of the things that can make, that makes art really great, right? Is the ability to actually communicate these ideas. Uh, and it's why sometimes like bad art feels really pretentious because you had something important you wanted to say and you kind of failed to say it. Yeah. Right. Yes. I definitely, they like get the same like s scary ominous vibes from a lot of modern art as I did in this game where I look at it and I'm like I you I don't know what you're trying to communicate but why you got to be so weird about it yeah that's yeah <laughs> uh yeah so I guess going into more depth um uh, should we talk about, like, the different types of, like, unlockables slash hidden stuff first? Or should we talk about, like, the general gist of what each area is like? Um, I mean, I've, so I've got a walkthrough up. I guess we can just sort of go go through it. Okay, uh, let me yeah. let me say what the unlockables are, though, then, so okay, that yeah. we can talk about the unlockables as we reach them. Um, so there's, like, three types of things... And I think you have to complete all three of them in order to unlock the secret ending. Um, so one type of thing, of hidden thing, is runes, where in each area there's, like, six hidden runes that are just on surfaces somewhere, and you have to, like, go around and find them. I should mention there's no interaction button in this game, so every mechanic is just moving and jumping. So anytime you, like activate something you're just bumping into it basically yeah um so you bump into these hidden runes to find them um so i guess there's like whatever 24 or something of them in the game 
um, ish. He, I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. Six. Yeah, um, there's six of um, each of the three different types of runes. Oh yeah, sorry. There's only three areas, so eighteen total. Um, oh yeah. Math. Uh, yes, math. <laughs> uh, I was thinking that there were some in the like hub world, but there are not. Um, so. Oh, yeah, so there's runes, there's what my walkthrough called vision puzzles, um, which are, like, super hard puzzles that aren't required to pro- pro- uh, progress the game, uh, but when you complete them, you have a, like, it, it, it takes you into an Im- image where you're standing around looking at everything, uh, or at, like, a static scene, mm-hmm. um, and the scenes are like equally ominous to that like globe you mentioned at the end like there's one where it's just like a ruined desert with like a single like tent and camp I think there's one where it's like the earth but it's all like kind of brown and dead um first one is uh my walk has pictures from inside it's inside like a broken building yeah um so yeah those are uh puzzles that if you solve them you get to see a vision. Um, and then... I wouldn't say, if you solved any of those without looking it up, you're amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I looked up one of them just to see kind of like what the puzzle was like. But yeah, no, it's it's unclear how you are supposed to learn the solution to any of them. Um, which is a running problem throughout this game, but these these puzzles are even more so that problem. I think like um, these puzzles, the solutions tend to be like in another part of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. Um, so then there's also the monoliths, which there are uh, three, I think, four of them. Um, there are like four rooms you can go into, which are just like a staircase. And then some hexagons with, like, a big monolith at the end. And when you go up to the monolith, it, like, shatters into a bunch of triangles with a, an unpleasant uh, sound effect. Mm-hmm. Um, like like everything else in this game, like, slightly jarring and disconcerting. Yeah. Um, and there the, – I did – I also did one of these, and it involves, like, you press a random button that you happen to find in your – in, like, the normal course of playing through, and then you have to, like – backtrack to the entire previous area to find a door uh, on the wall that is in no way connected to the button. Like, there's no like sigil on it that indicates to you that it controls that door or anything like that. It's just a, a random door that you might have found earlier that didn't open. Which I did find the door, and I did find the button, and without a walkthrough I would have had no idea that they were in any way connected to each other. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds um, about right. <laughs> yeah, we we all used walkthroughs for this. For the record, the best way to play Cairo is with a walkthrough on your second screen. Yes. Like, try the puzzle once or twice on your own. If you feel stuck, just look at the walkthrough. Don't spend too much time trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, like, that is, I think, the ideal way to play this game. Uh, yeah, so there's those, those are the three types of, like, hidden things. I think you have to find all of every of all three types in order to unlock the secret ending. Yeah, that sounds that's that's that looks right. All right, I'm, I'm so, just giving this guy and it looks right. So yeah, all right. So take it away with the uh, the walkthrough. 
Oh boy, I have to take it away. <laughs> uh, you started too earlier. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I, basically, you just you start in this sort of void space where there are the the floating islands, um, and you start behind like a throne. A throne. I think. Yeah, the throne, which seems to be kind of a recurring motif. A lot of large, uh, way too big to be honest, um, stone thrones. Um, and from there, you sort of, you cross this void space, like you just walk across it. Um, and, uh, I think the first place you end is, like, a, a large chamber with some, like, rings floating in the middle. Uh, this is, this, this, it's all so hard to describe because it's just, like, there's some shapes and it's a color and there's a puzzle that you have to do. Um, yeah. Basically, this entire game is also more or less built using default Unity shapes. Yes. Um, which is kind of interesting. Which, like, honestly, props to the game for that. Because if you can create something that feels cool and atmospheric without, like, having to hire someone to uh, to do 3D modeling for you, more power to you. Yeah. Um, so let's see. what What is... The first puzzle. I'm trying to find what the actual first puzzle is. Because uh, uh, so a lot of it's just like, like, go through the room. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first area is like the lighthouse area. That's what I it guess. is. Yeah, that's what it's called, the lighthouse. Yeah, and they they like make you, like in the first one, they kind of show you that like sigils are important by like having you step on it and then it like opens a door, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh. Okay. Oh, there's a maze. Okay, so the 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 one of the first things you'll encounter is a maze, uh, and not just a regular maze, but it's one of those fucking. I hate it so much. You're oh, just in an empty room. Maze. You're in an empty room, and as you approach the wall, the wall rises from the ground, and blocks your yes. progress. Yep. God, so you can't that. see where the walls are until you're, like, at the, the thing. Um, it's I should we should say that like, before you even get to that puzzle, like you enter through a series of colorful rooms that don't do anything but are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which is a garden that's like one of the only non-tense uh, like spaces in the entire game. Um, but then you come into a hub room, which is sort of like a, a trend. For each of these areas, there's, like, a single hub room that has a bunch of doors, and you kind of, like, explore the doors in whatever order. So the hub room in the first area is, like, a purple room that has this big, uh, like, cylinder of rings in the center. Uh, sorry, um, so I was yeah. drinking my Gatorade. Ways... <laughs> That's all right. Uh. Yeah, so one of the ways that you can go from that uh, that ring room is into the, the appearing maze puzzle room. Yeah. So there's there's the hidden walls maze. There's a a red room that's just like a bunch of scaffolding. It's referred to here in this walkthrough as a treehouse, which is just a bunch of like walkways and scaffolding uh, between these like infinitely columns. tall pillars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a bridge. there's a little room there that if you go into the if you go if you don't get go straight to the other door. There's a room at the top of that room that's got like a bunch of screens, and if you it doesn't when you get there, but when you if you get there, then a bunch of screens pop up and sh- start showing like 
world disaster images at yeah. you or something. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this game has a little bit of a like post-apocalyptic theme going on. Which is... Which for uh, a game that's know. almost entirely abstract, like... It, it uh, doesn't really fit, sure. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see what else. There's the White Bridge, which is just a, a basically just a, a passageway room. Um, there's yeah. We should mention that like it isn't like you're in the hub and then like each door is one room that is a puzzle. It's you're in a hub and each door is like a meandering pathway where you go through a bunch of rooms and some of them have puzzles and some of them don't. And some of them are just to traverse, um, and yeah. all of them are weird. <laughs> and you can do all of the stuff in any order, so it's really it's 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 difficult to kind of go through it sequentially. But we're gonna we're gonna try to do our best here. Um, let's yep. see. There's another puzzle with uh, oh, there's the spinning uh, rings in the floor, and you have to activate the rings in the correct order, and that uh is one of the main puzzles that gives you sort of the um the the, the puzzle piece that you need uh there's, there's... A, there's the coffins walkway where there's just like a series of um like you walk up this ramp and there's a series of little alcoves that all have coffins in them and the coffins all have video screens on the front uh, and most of the video screens are static, but like one or two of them are just weird images. Like one of them is is a never-ending set of cameras where like the camera's right behind you, so it's you looking into the image of you, looking into the image of you, looking into the image, etc. Yeah. Um, and then like there's I think two other like abstract ones. Um, let's see. There's uh there's the river room with like the waterfall thing. Yeah. So there's like a it's not a river, it's a bunch of squares rushing by on the floor um but it's oh, it yeah, sounds like water yeah um and there's a bunch of raised platforms and you have to uh step on the runes the right combination of runes to form this one big rune that's like the lighthouse rune mm-hmm. um that's so you have to... one of the few puzzles i actually needed a walkthrough for honestly that, I... that wasn't the secret puzzle i i needed uh I, I did not need the walkthrough i used the in-game hint system for that one yeah and that was oh. enough i think at that point i didn't realize there was a hint system yes that's one of the like things in this game's favor is that there is if you go to the menu you can unlock three hints for each of increasing obviousness for any uh for any given room um so in this one the first hint is have you looked up which i had not uh, and if you look up, the rune is, like, projected super big on the wall, and it's like, oh, okay, I see what's happening. Otherwise, it's just like, I'm stepping on a bunch of buttons, and I don't know why some of them are clicking and some aren't. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that, for that one, the, the single hint was enough for me. But there were some other rooms where I activated all three hints and still wasn't sure what to do. Um, and some of it was, I was, like, misunderstanding the controls and some of it I was like wait how was I supposed to figure that out um so I guess we'll see as we go through them um yeah so let's see there's also a a, there's a light pyramid puzzle Mm -hmm. where there's like a a pyramid in the center and you have to stand on these switches to um, move like three shafts of light 
um, so that they are pointing at the pyramid in the center, um, except one of them won't stay because it's on a set of gears, so you have to, like, jam a rock into the gears. Yeah. That one was pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's like, all right, fine. It took me a while to notice the the rock, but luckily, in one of this game's very few, like, good queuing moments, there are scrape marks on the floor by the rock that you're supposed to push mm-hmm. that indicate yeah. that it is pushable. Yes. Um, which is, like, the only hint that you then need to, like, oh, okay, I see if I, I can do something with this rock and it'll stop the gears. So. I like that puzzle. Yeah, that yeah, one was that fun. One was was pretty straightforward. And then that's I think all of the main puzzles, like the big, you know, you need these to progress puzzles in that area. Um yeah. Yeah. and yeah. then you go up or maybe it's down an elevator, I think. Um and end up back sort of in the main floating island void area. No, first is the First is the red room. First is the red room where you have to oh, uh, yeah. change the lens of the lighthouse. So after you've powered the lighthouse, you have to take the big like mirror in the center of the lighthouse and like point a shaft of life out uh, a an area. But God, I hated this because like there's I really a lot liked of this room. really there's because there's a lot of queuing that's like misleading. I think my problem was I used the hints, and the hints are very misleading in this room because the hints are like. Oh, look at those runes on the wall. Have I seen those runes somewhere before? So I kept trying to find some patterns in the runes on the uh, the light switch or on the on the the mirror, and trying to press corresponding runes in the wall. But you don't have to do that. You have to just look at the way the thing is is pointed and point it the correct way. Yeah. There's also yeah, you can look at the runes and they correspond. They don't though. The runes they... on the side are like. The, the runes like one, two, three, and five, and then the ones you have to press on the wall are not those. Like the bottom ones is like one, two, three, and f- one, two, three, four, and five, and you push the three because it's straight ahead. I don't oh, remember I see that what puzzle. You're yeah, yeah, yeah. You could use it to like to see the dial, like pick the the one on the dial that corresponds to the way uh, that you do it so honestly like okay that's fine and i i probably could have found it by trial and error of just uh like tilting the glass my biggest problem with this puzzle was that i did not see the lever yes neither did i in the starting area yeah so i didn't turn on the light so i got the light thing into the mirror into what i assumed was the correct position and nothing happened so i'm like oh i guess i must have done it wrong because there's no feedback so I just kept trying and trying and trying, and finally I looked up at the walkthrough, and they're like, make sure you push the lever in the back. And I'm like, yeah. fucking what lever? That's not in the hints anywhere. Yeah, and the lever is like, I, it's like when you come in the room, the lever is in the you. opposite direction of where you need to go, and it's just a thing sticking out the wall that's the same color as everything else in the room. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that lever. No, yeah, this makes sense. Why we have such different experience. Yeah. The first thing I did was just push it. Yeah, if you find the lever immediately, I imagine this puzzle is probably fine. It's like a little tricky, but it's probably fine. If you don't find the lever, there's fucking nothing directing you to that lever. There's no indication <laughs> that you need so a light And you're so far away beam. from the lever, lever. Yeah, and it's the opposite side of the room as every other control. And it's a giant room. Yeah. 
fuck that lever. Like, why don't they... You you literally just activated power on the the lighthouse. Why not just start the light on? Why not just give you a beam of light so that as you interact with the light and the dial, you can see that it's changing and you have some feedback about what you're doing? That's a much better design. Yeah. Why force you to activate the light? Um, anyway... Sorry, that was the first point where I started to get angry at this game. Well, Fair. the first, other than the, the, like, constant feeling of tension, where she made me, like, inherently angry. Like, a lot of the, I think, basically all of the puzzles in the first area, I got, like, without looking them up. Until that one. That was at the point where I'm like, maybe I should have a walkthrough for this game. Um... There's also a puzzle we did. There's one of the vision, the optional vision puzzles uh, in this uh, area, which is a set of, floor. Yeah, a set of floor tiles that when you step on them, they make music. And you have to step on like a particular six tiles or something or five tiles. Um, how you know which five tiles beats me. It's probably a musical reference to something else in the game, but there's no indication of what or where. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm already broken, like, trying to just go through this game, because it's like, what what, yeah. what else is there? Uh, yeah. And I will say, like, having, like, secret stuff being really hard, I think that's okay. Cause, but it's a big room that is exactly the same as all the other rooms. So you don't actually know that it's a secret room. Oh, yeah. the, the, the music floor room? Yeah. Yeah. Although, if you look at the hints, and this is also kind of infuriating, uh, the hints say, like, maybe you don't need to try and solve anything. And then if you, like, or uh, if you, like, oh, no, the first one is, like, try stepping on the floor tiles. The second one is, like, maybe you don't need to solve everything. And then the third one is, this room is just for fun. Mostly. Uh... And it's, like, I'm like, fuck you, game. Fuck you. <laughs> you can't fucking say that. Yeah. Like, either this room is important, or it isn't. Like, you don't need to be fucking coy about it. Make up your mind, please. Yeah. But again, I was already kind of annoyed at that point. So, uh, maybe in a, in a different mood, I might have treated that hint differently mentally. But at the time, it just kind of felt like a big middle finger from the game. Well, what what other mood are you going to have <laughs> at any point playing this game, really? Like, besides I mean, yeah. just kind of vaguely frustrated and annoyed at it. And tense, yeah. I mean, the game works very hard to make you feel tense and off-kilter. So, like, it can't really get mad for you feel, like, tense and annoyed. Yeah. Um, and I, I said this exact same thing with Naissance. You cannot sustain that tension for a full game. Like, the whole point of tension like that is to use it sparingly uh, to make certain moments really resonate and pop. If you use it for the entire game, it quickly dulls into an annoying background noise that is just frustrating. Yes. And just kind of exhausting. Yeah. Like, exhausting is the word. Yeah. Like, I, 
it really does just kind of wear on you. Like, I don't want to be doing this anymore. I just want some color that doesn't have, like, a grain filter applied to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm different. I didn't feel the... Like, I didn't get bothered by the tension in this game or in Nathan's say. Yeah. It was less... For me, I, it was less uh, palpable in this than it was in Naissance, but this also has puzzles that are worse <laughs> or like yeah. more more yeah. present. Mm-hmm. So uh, all right, so then you're out of the lighthouse. Once you've fixed the mirror, you're out of the lighthouse, and you uh, um, then you're back to the outer hub area, and you go to a, the second island, um, which is called the Tower. I guess, according to this uh, this walkthrough? Yes. Uh, um, it starts with one of those real ominous things where there's like a spotlight in the center of an otherwise entirely black space and you have to walk to the center of the spotlight and then it like ominously clicks on another spotlight further on and you have to keep walking because it's because this game can't fucking not do shit like that. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, some some space some uh, that you just walk through, and then there's the star room, which is another one of the vision um, uh, puzzles, which is a room where there's a bunch of uh, little pillars that all have little shapes on them, which may or may not be the islands in the game, the little shapes. Oh yeah. Uh, and each one that you touch turns on a sky, a star in the sky, and you need to make a specific constellation. Again, that specific constellation is probably somewhere. Um, this says... My walkthrough says you must have friends for this solution because the game only reveals part of the code. Uh. So I don't know what is meant by that. This is a very sparing walkthrough that I used where, like, half the time the person just says, this puzzle is dumb and I'm not going to explain it. I'm just going to tell you how to solve it. Where I'm like, no, I, I'm really curious as to how you were supposed to figure this out. And this is kind of one of those times where, like, all it says is, to solve, the game only reveals part of the code. You have to have friends for this, or you can just look below. That, <laughs> that actually looks right. In the guide that I looked at, it also gives you all of the achievements. And the achievement for, for that vision puzzle is called A Problem Shared. Yeah. Which... So... Probably yeah, I don't does know how mean... that works. Is it like different versions of the game like give different parts? So you not only have to have friends, you have to have like friends who have a who like randomly got the different code? I don't know. Yeah, I have uh, no idea how that would practically yeah, and I'm be implemented. Not sure, and I'm also not sure where in the game the code is, so I don't even know how to check which part of the code I have. Yeah. Yeah, this um this walkthrough doesn't tell you where uh, it says wait okay it says where the um, the pink music room solution oh. is found uh, where is it? it's uh, find an obelisk near the top of the grey garden that plays a short series of musical tones and then you go back to the pink room and Wait, the Grey Garden, like, the third area of the game? I think so. Okay. Um, I feel like I walked walked by that, and I heard some piano notes being played. 
To to be fair, in the later part of the game, it does give you a teleporter that gives you a, a quick way to get back to certain areas yes. if you want to backtrack and solve other puzzles. And at the end of the game, you can just, like, free play it and do, like, you know, retrace whatever you want to. Yeah. Uh, I don't think any of us did, but you could, no, theoretically. Of course not. Huh. What a, what a ridiculous notion. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this, there's a star puzzle that gives you the vision of, like, the burned Earth. Um, and then, so then you get to the tower hub, which is, like, a little um, multi-level orange room with a big central gap in it. Um, that's got kind of a, like, a globe compassy type thing in the bottom, I think. Yeah. Uh, it... it it gave me weirdly like Blade Runner vibes. I think because of the orange color scheme and like the slanting light, uh, it really looks like one particular set from Blade Runner. It's been too long since I've watched Blade Runner to remember. But uh, yeah, everything by the way, like every single object in this game pretty much has a stone texture on it. Yeah. So just picture everything we're talking about. Picture as though it's made of like giant slabs of stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right. So. Uh. There's there's a passageway with like some like gas spouts uh, that you pass through, and then you get to the the Cuban sphere puzzle, uh, which uh. is where I noticed the like um, the there is a hidden door, door here, and I did I did find the door. Um, I just like it didn't open, so I moved on. Um, this one has, like, a sphere, and you're supposed to use some cubes to, like, set up a ricochet thing to knock it into a tunnel. Um, I had a little trouble with this because I couldn't tell at first that I was pushing the cubes around. I thought I was just, like, pushing against it, and it wasn't doing anything because it makes a, a scraping noise, but the scraping noise, like, continually restarts yeah. in a way that sounds like you're doing something wrong there's also the problem of the 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 cubes are so large that when you're close enough to push them it fills your entire field of vision so you can't actually see anything around you moving giving you you know the hint that yes i am i am successfully moving this yeah again there's no feedback because you can't see anything um and this is a recurring problem in this game where there are puzzles that block your view of any feedback you would be you would be getting where it's like this is a switch and the thing that you're controlling is behind you and things like that yeah yeah um, like the for instance that that big red uh the the lighthouse puzzle the switches uh you if you are actually walking into the switch uh, you are facing away from the mirror, so you don't get to see how its movement changes. So you, it, it's much better to actually back into the switches. Yeah, I did that uh, so you for can a watch lot of things. The thing as you're doing, which is dumb. Yeah. Like there were better ways that you could have designed that space. Like just make the buttons like on little plinths that are short enough to see over them and are facing the the lighthouse or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so. The ball and cube puzzle, uh, I did figure out what I was supposed to do, but even with that, uh, this is one of uh, two or three puzzles in the game that I solved by accident, um, where I was, like, planning something that I thought was going to be, like, three ricochets, and then it was, like, I guess one, and it just went in, 
and it didn't ricochet the way I thought it was going to ricochet. Huh. And it just solved it. And I'm like, what? Okay. Yeah, I got oh. it to go in after one ricochet by placing a thing, I guess, at an angle where it hit, maybe it hit a corner. I wasn't looking exactly at it when it happened. I just, like, looked away and looked back, and it was on trajectory for the tunnel. And I'm like, I guess I solved it. That's weird, Sounds and that like doesn't... like a weird physics. Yeah, yeah that doesn't seem like it should be possible. <laughs> but, yeah, that sounds right. Huh. Well. Wowie. <laughs> yep. Yup. Um, so, that was the thing. Yeah. Um, you're supposed to set it up so it, like, I assume ricochets four times off the different cubes yes. and then goes into the tunnel. Yeah. 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 And then, and that's, that, this room reminds me of, like, another thing that is annoying about this game is that, uh, y you have to, like, there's no exit. Like, there's no door that funnels you back to the hub area. So you have to backtrack through these, like, transitional spaces, and it just yeah, feels unnecessary. The first, the, first, the first section, the lighthouse section, does have corridors yeah. that connect so that you can just continue through in a solid line and it takes you back to the hub. But none of the other sections do. Yeah. And I'm not sure why they thought to only do that for the first one and not the others. It does also seem like the first the lighthouse segment felt more like a maze and I don't know, maybe it was too maze like. So instead of fixing it, they just said, no, we're not going to do that for the rest of the game. I don't, I don't know. There is, I mean, there is also a map on the options screen for each area. Um, not, not for like the overworld's like outer area, but once you get to the hub world, each one has like a little map that shows the room. It doesn't show like what's in each room, but it shows the layout of the rooms as you discover them. Um, so that's that's nice. <laughs> that is a good addition. Um, they don't obviously they don't tell you that any of this stuff is here. You just have to have happen to notice it on the menu. I did um, not. <laughs> yeah, this game does not do tutorials really. Yeah, uh, same with the hint system. Yeah, same with the hints. Uh, so let's see what else is. Oh, there's like a little elevator room in this one where you have to like just walk to the end and hit a switch and it takes you to like a different floor. Uh, there's the atlas, the blue atlas room with the like transparent shapes um, where you have to... Oh, so this one, the tower is the one with the, the block perspective puzzles, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so think so. <laughs> it has one type of puzzle that's recurring that I actually really enjoyed, which is there's a series of blocks, and as you move around the room, they either oh, start yeah, to yeah. move together or start to blow apart. So you have to kind of hot and cold it until they come together into a single plinth, and then it will activate something. Yeah. Um, and those are those are pretty fun. Like, I was fine with those. Um, this gets at, like, a, a central tenet of puzzle design, which I'll talk about once we're done going through these. Um, so you do one of those at the top to activate a light, uh, a ball of light, and then you have to raise up the ball of light using, like, a little turnstile thing into one shape, hit a button, raise it some more into a second shape, and then hit a second button. Um, I don't think the buttons are marked in any way that indicates which one corresponds to which shape, from what I remember. Um, and then 
uh, once you've activated both of them, then you get your puzzle piece. Yes. There's a puzzle here that's listed as fireflies that I don't remember at all. Oh, you... It's like... Um, what's that game called? It's just a... Oh, it's like Mastermind or whatever. Mastermind, yeah. Um... Where you're like, there's like a giant sphere, and you're trying to turn it all black. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to um, step on four switches in the right order, I think, basically. Yeah. Um, Why is that sphere so ominous? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's not even, um, and I don't think it's even um, Mastermind, because I think the switches just correspond to four, like, sections of the sphere, and you just have to figure out how to do them from bottom to top. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, yeah, that sphere is huge, though. Yeah. That, that was some Nathan Say shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big sphere with, like, either completely white or completely black. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, okay. Then, so that opens the... If you collect all those pieces, that opens the geodesic dome, which is an elevator which takes you to the upper tower hub, which is like a purple room with some broken pillars in it. Um, and you have to construct a weird elevator. Uh, let's see. This one has the other puzzle that I solved accidentally, which is kind of like a little, um, like a Plinko Pachinko type thing where there's oh, yeah, a yeah. pyramid of shapes and you got to get the ball to drop down to the center. And I think it's connected to the directions you move once you're at the top. Um, I saw a comment about that, but the hint also says it's completely completely random. Does it? Yeah, I, I, I have no so. idea how I got that one to work, but I did, I'm so... pretty sure the last hint is just, like, it's completely random. Okay, yeah. So this is a puzzle where the solution is literally, it's completely random, try it until it works. Which is not so much a puzzle uh, as just a frustration machi machine. Uh, but it worked for me on the second try, so... Yeah, same uh, for me. Yeah, fine. I, uh, I I managed to complete it before I read the hints. That's good. Um, I'm glad that the hint like uh, says explicitly that it's random, because otherwise I'd be like, I don't, I don't understand. Um, then the, okay, then there's the clockwork puzzle in this one where you have to like move one, moving on one axis back and forth turns one wheel, moving on the other axis, um, like side to side, moves the other wheel, and you have to line it up with specific shapes. And is it just me, or is one of the solution is is part of the solution of this just wrong? Uh, yes. Because wait, they, which solution is wrong? Well, so you you have to match the shapes, but the second and fourth images. No, no, no! You don't match, match the shapes. Do you not? No. You do for the first one. Yes. Yeah, you, you do, do for the, the first, first one. one. So what are you supposed to do? And it, it's not it, get the shapes in the correct orientation, because I checked and it doesn't get them so in the correct orientation. The shape is a number based on how many corners they have. And you're <laughs> supposed to complete a four-digit sequence. Oh. Oh! How do you know what the four-digit sequence is? There's a little thingy on the... There's a little thing in the middle. But it's still super vague. I did not see whatever this thing in the middle was. Uh, is it, the and... thing in the middle would be the the um 
like the two shapes that it gives you that you have to match the corresponding. No, there's a to, like right? little triangle in between. Well, fuck that me has then. Thing is on. I didn't see that. <laughs> oh, I did notice that afterwards as the thing was spinning. I'm like, okay, there's four little like sigils, but the sigils don't have any other corresponding thing in this room or anywhere else. So I don't know what they're supposed to mean. Um, I still so don't I, remember. I think I saw the first one. I just matched the shapes. Yep. That works. And that's the logical conclusion. Yes. Second one I did completely random. <laughs> yeah. Um, and which is hard because there's six shapes on each wheel, so random, there's like a combinatorial uh, con- um, set of possible outcomes that's very vast yes um oh yeah. yeah and the fourth one i did did do it correctly but uh, i was still kind of wrong because you were supposed to write the four digits of pi what and i'm so, so used to writing five digits or like four decimals and you don't oh yeah and, and it's like you have to do the rounding 3.1415 Carl, you are operating on a level with this game. You are resonating with this game on a level that I do not think me and Kelso are. Yeah, it's like a small like circle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. So the the frustrating part of the puzzle is that the first and third answers are the uh, are matching the shape. And the second and fourth no, answer... the they... third is uh, matching the reverse shape. Oh, the, okay. The third one is matching the reverse shape. Uh, the second and fourth one are each other's solutions if you match the shape. But, of course, you can't see the fourth one until after you've done the second one. So, they, like, there, there are some internal patterns that do not match with what the solution actually wants you to do. Uh, this puzzle is completely bullshit. Yeah. Um, this is one. This is one. So the description of this puzzle in my walkthrough. Uh, like P blocks, your movements move these gears. There's one for vertical and one for horizontal. The puzzle, however, is confusing. I don't even want to explain. Here are the answers. You must match the combos in the middle in this order, and then it just gives you the shapes. Right? Like, I want the walkthrough to tell me how I'm supposed to know what this solution is. Yeah, the, the walkthrough that I have. Uh also does not give any justification for why the solutions are what they are. It just says, here's the answers, without with, without the um, the editorializing. Oh yeah, now I remember. I didn't w- walk through it. It's like, the last hint just gives you what to put in. Oh, it just gives you the shapes? I guess yeah. by that point I wasn't even checking the, the hints anymore. I was no. just using walkthrough. It doesn't give you the shape, it gives you the numbers. I think. Oh, the numbers, but... okay. Sure. I mean, there are there are puzzles later in the game where they use like the number of strokes in a sigil to indicate number, um, and like that was recurring, and so like I was okay with that one, um, but I didn't get number of sides to the shape as the number in this one, so I don't. Maybe if I had looked at the hints, I would have gotten it, but um, okay. Also in this area is what my walkthrough calls the gym um, because it's got treadmills in it 
Oh, yeah. So you have to push a cube into a wall and then run on four treadmills to get them up to full power um, to get a thing. Yeah, it's so straightforward, but also just completely bizarre. Like, I don't know. Like, what... Yeah. It, it it really makes me consider, like, what is the purpose of all of these structures? Yeah, like, clearly we're turning on machines of some kind, but why? Like, was... We're not bringing something back after the apocalypse. Like, there's no. nothing that indicates that. Was the in skeleton in really good shape from running all the time before he died? And the... We'll get to the skeleton. Uh, well, friends. that's the next room, so go, go tell us oh, about skeleton. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, the, the next room... Uh, there's a, it's like sort of a control room type thing. I think is what the uh, yeah. What it's like a panel with like little images from a bunch of the other rooms. So mm-hmm. it looks like it's like a security like video. The, oh, the surveillance we did, room. Yeah, we didn't mention the weird frames in uh, a lot of these rooms that will suddenly turn on and have like a shadowy figure amidst oh, static yeah. watching you. Man, who That's cares? A constant... <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't well, mean it. That might be this guy is the thing. Oh yeah. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, but yeah, there's just a guy. It's not a guy. Uh, it's a skeleton sitting in a, a large throne-shaped chair in front of all of these screens, uh, and, and like scratched into the arm of the chair, it just says, "I am alone here." It's a big emo skeleton friend. Or, or I am all alone here? I don't remember. Or, but yeah, so, one of the something, two. Something to that effect. Uh, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Like, was this <laughs> was this the guy who was here before you? Who, yeah. who Sorry. Uh, didn't have I a just, walkthrough? I just noticed in this walkthrough it says, If you've been noticing, you know you're being watched. Go around the desk to find dot 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 a skeleton? Question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. The oh. message he wrote is creepy, dot, dot, dot. Anyways, move on. <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is what the walkthrough says. Oh, boy. It's not wrong. It's not wrong! That's about, that is about the tone of this room. Yeah. Oh, a skeleton! Ooh, spooky! <laughs> the message he wrote is creepy. Anyway, moving move on. on. <laughs> yeah. Move yeah. on, and next then, puzzle. <laughs> yeah, and then I think there's one of the final, like, orient these blocks um, puzzles, and then you're done with the tower. Uh, there is an upper area in the tower as you're going through some of these rooms. Oh, wait, did I miss the run around on the hexes puzzle? Oh, yeah, I think you did. That one was an okay one. That one was... Uh... Yeah, it's just you go into a room and there's sort of an array of hexagonal tiles and the one in the center is bright red and you step on it and then another tile lights up red and then you have to go step yeah, on that and one. Then and then another timer tile. starts ticking. Yeah. See, so you're like, oh, shoot, I'm being timed. And then there are also um, black tiles and you can't step on the black tiles otherwise you have to start over. It's it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's fine yeah um time pressure is a little annoying because they never tutorialize the fact that there is a run button and actually if you're using a controller that the run button isn't mapped um you have to manually map it um well that's great so you would think that it would be mapped because there is nothing but move and jump (laughs) but i guess not every button 
And did you know that you can play the game entirely with the mouse? If you hold uh, left click, you move forward, and if you hold right click, you jump. I I did notice that if you if you right click, you jump. I did not notice uh, the movement. That that's kind of huh. Huh. Well. Yeah, I wonder. I noticed that this game has like a VR setting. I wonder if that's like certain things are enabled because like that's how they're what they're enabled for by default in VR. Oh, maybe. Because you you only need go forward in VR. You don't need turn because you turn your head. Yeah. So. Huh. Um. Yeah. So that's a that's a thing. But yeah. So so I had to enable the sprint. Luckily, I had noticed there was a controls section, so I just went and looked in controls and saw, ah, yes, there is a sprint control. Allow me to map it. Um, And I did. You might, if you're really, really, really good, you might be able to get through that puzzle without the sprint button, but some of them, like, you have to back out of an area that's surrounded by black uh, tiles and, like, walk all the way around the outside to get to another one, so um, having sprint really helps a lot. Yes. Um, Okay. Yeah, so that's the end of the, the tower. Uh, and then you go to the garden, um, which is like a big... It's sort of like the other outdoor hub areas. You spend, you actually spend most of the time outside instead of like the hub being an interior room. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's marginally more pleasant than the average environment. Uh, it's not green like the, the other garden that you're briefly in in the first part. Um but I don't know. It feels like being outside and in sunlight, so it's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, except that. Oh Jesus. The. <sighs> yeah. Uh, the <laughs> yeah. You. Uh, th- finding uh, the rooms. Yeah, finding the rooms, which yeah, are so, just there are. So which are oh. different than all the other doors in the game so far. Yes. So they're they're different than all the other games so or all the other doors in the game so far. They look like any other part of geometry. And further complicating it is the fact that there is a regular door that you can go through, and there's yeah. nothing behind it except for like one of the uh, the lighthouse or not lighthouse the the garden sigil thingies. Uh, but yeah, the the doorways that you have to go through are just empty arches. Yeah, we and, should mention that uh, up until this point, uh, all doorways are like a kind of shimmery portal with like a distorted version of the room that's beyond it. Um, and you can see the color of the room, so you can get a clear idea of like, okay, this is the way to purple room, this is the way to red room, yes, etc. These are not; these are just like empty archways that look like they're part of the scenery. Yes, no queuing at all. Nope. Yep. None whatsoever. And there's, I mean, to be fair, like I think you're supposed to find the one in. Well, okay. There, here's a question: What are you supposed to do? Because The one that's easiest to find that's the most obviously a door is, like, um, in the very back. Mm -hmm. uh, Because it's it's kind of isolated from everything else, and it's, like, standing out on its own, like, in a way that invites you to come investigate it. Uh, But in terms of the tutorial sequence for the rooms beyond the arches, it is the second one, I think. No, it's the third one. Um... If if you can credit the the drawing rooms as having uh, a tutorial progression, which is being generous, um, yeah, it's it's kind of the it's the hardest uh, of the three. So, are you supposed to find that one? Realize that there are arches, 
back out of that one and then do the others? Like... I think that you are supposed to consult a walkthrough. Yes, I agree. So, there's a problem because there's like two normal doors in this area. Mm-hmm. And there's also, if you have done a secret, a little shiny thing that shows oh, up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a, this is where the like secret ending entrance is. And the secret, your progress towards the secret ending is indicated by like shinies that appear. Uh, around a, a floor that's like has a like a maze pattern on it, and I was really worried I was going to have to memorize that maze to come back and do it later at some point. But luckily, you don't. That's good. Um, but yeah, so you have three arches, and be- behind each arch is a drawing puzzle. It's a grid of nine dots, um, and in each room, there's like a little pillar in the front that says like what pattern you're supposed to draw on the nine dots. Um, and the easiest one is there's a pillar with a triangle. The second one is there's a pillar with a diamond, but it's half broken. Um, and so you, you have to kind of extrapolate the diamond, uh, but you can, you can kind of tell. So that's the second one. And then the third one is the pillar is entirely broken and I have no idea how you're supposed to know what that shape is. And it's, it's, uh, I, th- that one's a, like parallelogram, a parallelogram, right? Who, yeah. who in their right mind would think, oh yes, the the esteemed parallelogram, that must be the solution. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can find the piece lying is around. The, is the other half of the plinth somewhere? Oh, yeah. I If so, I didn't find it. <laughs> to be fair, by that point, I was pretty much just like giving everything a cursory look and then consulting the walkthrough. If I didn't know, I'd given up at that point. Yeah. Uh, you can find it. I still have problems because I threw it the wrong way. I'm not oh, sure yeah, yeah, that's oh, yeah. me or that's probably me. Um, well, at least there's only like two or th- I guess there's like, f- what, four ways you could draw four. it? Yeah, four. Uh, maybe only two. There's two horizontal four. and then two vertical. But aren't those mirror images of each other? No. No. Okay. I'm just remembering it wrong, I guess. Um, yeah, so the the problem is that I went into the triangle one, and I'm like, oh, what am I supposed to draw? Hmm, I guess I'm not supposed to connect them all. I wonder if there's something to guide me. Oh, look, a plinth with a triangle on it. Let me draw a triangle. And then I drew the triangle, like, three times, and nothing happened. And I'm like, I guess it's not the triangle. That plinth must be, like, mean something else. And I just kept trying things for a while, and it turns out you do have to draw the triangle, but it doesn't count if you include the dot along the straight edge. You have to only do the three corner dots. Oh yeah, Jesus. I forgot so if about you draw, that. If you draw the exact same shape, but you use four dots instead of three dots, identical shape, it doesn't work. Yeah. And, of course, there's no feedback that says, like, oh, some of these were right and some of them were wrong because there are no feedback for any of these puzzles. Uh... I had some issues because I, I looked at the plinth and thought, that looks like, what's it called? An equilateral triangle? Yeah, yeah. That's what it's called? Yep. And I'm like, this is a three-by-three three grid. How do you... How, how do am you I supposed to make you, it, you didn't uh, you didn't grok that it needs to connect in the center on the far edge. 
No. Yeah, After that's... After some uh, issues, I managed to do it. Yeah. I'm curious what the uh, if the hints for that room indicate that you can't use four dots uh, or not. Um, but yeah, so... Yeah, so there's three of those drawing puzzles that take you into various areas. Um, the triangle one takes you to, like, a little wind room that you pass through, and then... Oh, then there's the one with, like, the torches that you have to turn certain ones off. Um, mm -hmm. And there's, like, two... But there's also two switches that you have to turn on, and according to my walkthrough, the order that you turn them on is very important. Um... I'm not sure where that's indicated or why it's important, but I did the order it told me. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure why those switches are there, because, like, the, the puzzle is already interesting enough that you have to, like, there's there's six um, of these torches. You have to figure out which one's which, and you have to, like, see that, okay, some of them are crossed through. Those ones need to be turned off, and the rest need to be turned on. Like, that that would be a fine puzzle. I'm not sure why those two additional switches are there or what they do. Other than just activating Other than the, just, the yeah. torches. Yeah. Be, be required for the puzzle. Yeah. They don't activate the torches. The big, oh. like, square oh, button yeah, center right. activates the, the torches. They open a hatch and they turn on the fan. Oh. Okay, so they're just more activating parts of the machinery that could easily have been on when you came into the room with no change to the puzzle. Yep. Yeah. And and apparently you can get stuck if you turn them on in the wrong order, according to my walkthrough. I think it did the wrong order. You're supposed I, to put one the all the way at the bottom first and then do the one yeah, in the middle. I didn't do that, but I didn't get stuck. Okay, so maybe the walkthrough's just wrong. I which could is just possible. turn off the fan. Okay. Um... So yeah, you've got to turn out the right ones. Let's see. That's so that's area one. Area two, which they have as the mystery drawing one, has like the big castle that you approach that then has um just like a walkway with Tetris pieces and mm. some of them uh fall if you step on them and some of them don't. And there is a set of instructions on the back of a pillar. Uh, they don't correspond to the which shapes you're supposed to step on, so I assume they correspond to, like, the movements you're supposed to do, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's it's also fairly easy to just figure it out from trial and error. Yeah. And just memorize the path, so... Um, and again, the, the, the hint is on the back of a pillar that is, like, you do not face uh, ever unless you're, like, legit looking around for it. Um, so you wouldn't see it in the normal course of progression. And you don't see it as you're traversing the walkway. So nope. uh, you have to, like, memorize it or write it down or something, which is uh, not or ideal. Or go backwards wait, wait. along the walkway. Am I stupid? Is it not an eight? Is what uh, is there's, like, there's, like, things behind the walkway that has those shapes. But maybe yeah, I well, yeah, but the thing the thing with the shapes, the, the point is like the thing with the instruction shapes, um, is facing you're facing away from it. You never actually like see it if you're just trying to walk forward on the, the thing. 
You have to get up to the bridge, past the towers, and then turn around in order to see it. Yes. <laughs> Is that not your experience, Carl? Um, I'm confused. All right. I don't know. Backtrack. What? 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 Where do we backtrack to, Carl? I don't even know. Okay. It, it probably doesn't matter that much. Yeah, that's fair. The the point is, there's a there's a walkway. There's a hint in the environment. It's in a place that you wouldn't normally look. And even if you do look, it's not immediately obvious what the hint means. It requires some interpretation. Um. But you can also trial and error it, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, so you get a cross, you get a piece. Um, luckily, when you're walking back, they don't make you rem- memorize the path. Everything's just uh, steady. Uh, then the last area has that, like, pagoda garden spot, and then it's, like, the this little planetarium thing where you activate a big, um, uh, like, sun in the center, and then there's, like, these rotating planets, and you have to get it so their orbits go, like, exactly around the sun. Uh, once again, the controls to activate them are tall enough to be in your field of vision, so you have to position yourself very carefully to be able to see what the result of actually hitting the switches is even doing. Yep. Um, and, but that's... It's fine. It's... Yeah. Um, there's another secret vision thing in uh, like a, a a final more hidden door in the garden there is one there is one additional door in the garden um, that's not the main the single main door and is not one of the archways uh, and if you go into that you get to another vision puzzle where there's like a set of hexagons on the ground and you have to um, match a pattern that's in the upper tower hub area apparently uh, on the floor. So there's a lot of the, like, you have to do a thing that you saw elsewhere uh, yeah. type thing, these puzzles. And this one is the one that gives you, like, the empty red desert. Uh, okay. So the last room you go to is uh, the room with, like, the big globe, planet Earth globe in it that's got, like, a bunch of pictures around it. Uh, and that teleports you to the game's end sequence, uh, which is a big black and white room. There's a bunch of, like, moving black shapes on the ground that they kind of like change relative to you as you're moving around. Uh, you have to hit a button and then the, the shapes start like fluttering off the floor, which reveals a circle. You go stand on the circle and then it takes you to like a final walkway, um, which goes to a button that you activate and then that rises you up into the air and you get to see the, hub world from above where you start to see that there's like actually tons of islands and they all like turn on and start emitting like uh, black particles into the air i don't know what if it's supposed some, to be like energy or some a gas kind of something or, yeah yeah um whatever fade fade to magical windows garden yep and that's there there she goes that's the game mm-hmm so let's let's talk about puzzle design. Because <laughs> the way I see it, there's basically two schools of puzzle design. There's self-contained puzzles, which is kind of like a Nancy Drew or Professor Layton, where like each puzzle is its own thing. Um, and then there's 
and you know the the rules are inherent to just that puzzle. Uh, and then there's like growth puzzles where you are learn learning a skill throughout the game, and you have to show increasing mastery of that skill. Mm -hmm. A la you know like the the cube guns in um, antechamber, Anti yeah, or the mm -hmm. you know portals and portal. Uh, basically, all of the witness is here is one style of puzzle. See if you can master it, and here's all the possible like permutations on mastering it. Mm -hmm. um, and this game has sort of, I mean, it, if you it does have a couple recurring elements, and I feel like when it has recurring elements, they're good, right? Like I liked the fact that it like teaches you about the moving around to to see the blocks from a certain perspective to form them into a single like obelisk like that's pretty cool and you mm -hmm. do it multiple times so it feels like you're learning right like that's the the number one bonus of that style of puzzle is that you feel like you're learning if the tutorials are well designed like as you go you become more and more proficient at the skill and the early parts seem easier and you're like aha i am mastering this thing and therefore i feel clever um if you're doing a self-contained puzzle the rules of each puzzle have to be incredibly obvious um, because you're you're seeing a new self-contained situation uh, for the first time every single time. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to be able to quickly grok what you're supposed to do so that the pleasure comes from, you know, not from discovering this mechanic, but from, you know, given the rules, I was able to perform a task. Uh, and that's that's why, like, you know, in Nancy Drew, it becomes like they basically explicitly tell you every time you start a puzzle, like, oh, I see if I do this thing, then this part rotates or, oh, I bet I have to fill in all all these number boxes or, you know, like um, 999 does this, too, where like when when you see the yeah. puzzle, the, the like narrator character explicitly tells you what you're supposed to be doing. Yes. Um, and in Professor Layton, they're just like very clear and common logic puzzles and the parameters of the puzzle are explicitly stated up front mm -hmm. and this game utterly fails to do that it has the sort of like environmental leanings of a learning game of like oh you know like you now that you've explored this much you should be able to do something like this complicated but they're all distinct there's no like or very very few running threads where you're actually learning something that's then useful to you later. Yeah. Are they learning puzzles? Uh, there. Well, there's the the one that I was saying where like you look at, uh, you if you look at the rocks from like a different angle, it's less a learning a skill and more just performing the same skill multiple times. Um, yeah, but, but I mean like each in each puzzle is pretty much self-contained, right? But they, and has its own rules. Yeah, there are some puzzles that... There are a few puzzles that you see the same type of puzzle recur multiple times. For instance, the drawing rooms, the rooms where you have the, like, nine dots and you have to draw a shape. Like, that's a series of increasing complexity of the same mechanic, right? Which is use dots to draw a shape. But the yeah. it gets more, and co more complex about, like, what shape it is you're actually supposed to draw because you can't tell. The problem is that those puzzles are offered in any order. Um, so they can't guarantee that you will be tutorialized. Like, if the first room you came to was the one with the broken uh, tower, 
then you have no way of knowing what you're supposed to draw, mm-hmm. right? Like you have no way of knowing, oh, I know that the things in front are supposed to be my tutorial of like what I'm supposed to draw. So I should look for the other half of this plinth because that's, you know, what where my shape will be, right? Right. If you do that one first, how are you how the fuck are you supposed to know that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like they these are all puzzles that in uh, that could be used to good effect, but they need a like to be designed in a sequence. Like you you can't just have all of them in one game with no upfront rules. You could like pick a few of these puzzle types and like do certain things with them. But you need to have like consistent buttons that always look the same, or you know consistent queuing for like every room has like a drawing that represents the end state you're going for or something that's consistent throughout that the user can refer back to to have mm-hmm. like a mental image of like okay I am gaining knowledge I'm gaining yeah. understanding I think the puzzle in itself is kind of fine actually mm-hmm. but the problem is like queuing yeah. stuff like showing what happens when you push the buttons yeah, like, having having feedback having and having clear things that rules. direct your attention. And you should know that when each of your puzzles, you need three hints. When you need three hints for each puzzle, then maybe that's a problem. Yeah, and like <laughs> yeah. I get I get the recurring or the that like the hints should be increasing in complexity, right? Like there's the coy hint. And then the slightly more obvious hint, and then the bald face telling you the solution. And for a couple puzzles, it is that. But for some puzzles, it's not. It's just three different pieces of information that you need in order to do the answer. Which is, like, not not how that hint system should work, ideally. Yeah, Yeah, the hint, hint system becomes a mechanic rather than an aid. Yeah, exactly. It's it, in a way it's also it's almost weirdly like an adventure game, right? There's the sort of um, in an adventure game all of your puzzles are kind of self-contained. It's usually like get item X and item Y and combine them and rub against object Z to solve puzzle, right? Um, and but those those items and that particular like puzzle lock don't have any relation to other puzzles in the game for the most part. Um, And you have to kind of discern what is the weird moon logic that the developer, that like makes internal consistent sense to the developer about how to solve this puzzle that indicates like what things I need to do. Right? That gives me a handle on where where I should be directing my attention. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has a lot of the same problems, which is it's very easy to get stuck and lost because you can't like intuit what the designer was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so so yeah, cueing of like attention in terms of focus me like if you're gonna have if you're gonna force me to push a lever, put the lever in front of me, mm-hmm. put a big goddamn spotlight on it so I can't miss it. Right? Or put it right next to where I'm supposed to be going. Yeah. Don't put it across the room and behind me. Ugh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so like, queuing of, like, what the puzzle elements are to make it really clear so you don't miss things. And then feedback. Feedback is the hugest yeah, thing. it really is. In terms is. of, like, show me when I have done an action 
like the most feedback this has is like a a ping when you get a correct answer and like a an a like unhappy sound when you get the wrong answer. But you should be able to see like every effect you're having on the world when you're interacting with something, right? If you if you get something wrong, it should give you feedback that indicates if you were like roughly on the right track or if you were completely off. Mm -hmm. There's like so many places where that kind of feedback would help this game tremendously. Ugh. And it's very frustrating. <laughs> it is there. super frustrating. And then you you make it through the, the whole thing and there's just no payoff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so yeah. my biggest problem with this game and why I like Nathan Say but not Cairo, mm -hmm. is I have no idea what this game is trying to be. It's like one-third atmosphere, one-third puzzles, and one-third like some weird story that I can't really understand, but yeah. none of those connect to each other. Yeah. They have nothing to do with each other, and all of them are about like 70% of what you would want them to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, it's I can understand these, like, cool environments. Because they are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, wish, I wish there was a point to them. Or, like, yeah. you know, the, like, some, some narrative that wasn't just a skeleton! Ooh! <laughs> yeah. uh, move on. Yeah, yeah. move on. Uh. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, I I agree, I agree with that 100%. Where it's like it, all of the all of the elements are almost really good, but none of them are like support any of the other elements properly. Like the environment doesn't really support the storytelling, and the the puzzles don't really support the environment, and the environment doesn't really support the puzzles, and the puzzles don't support the storytelling. Like it's it's all just like the three isolated bubbles. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. I would say the strongest of those three is the environments. Mm -hmm. I don't like the tone, but that's just a, you know, if if you're like Carl and the the ominous the constant like tension doesn't bother you, then fine. Like in in isolation, if honestly, if I could like turn off the sounds for this game and play happier music in the background, I think I would really love the environments. <laughs> um, if the the music was not just like this constant, like slightly atonal hum in the background and were actually like, you know, designed for, to evoke different emotions in different areas, I think that would be really cool. Um... I, I almost want to see if the it's there's the same sound designer in this game in Naissance, because it it really feels very similar. I don't think it is though. It probably isn't. It's probably just sure a style not. of ambient yeah. music um, that is just. And I almost feel like it's it's kind of cheap. Like this tone, this sort of like ominous feel, is kind of easy to get. Like there's a certain set of things that you can put in a game or, you know, in any, like, visual audio-visual medium that, like, inherently evoke that tone that are pretty well understood at this point. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's, it's, not, it's not really subtle. Uh, and there's a lot of more subtle tones that, 
like I feel like antechamber balances this way better because it it is kind of ominous and weird, but it also has these sudden unexpected sparkles of humor that almost throw you off kilter because you're like nervous and you're not expecting something to be just funny or weird or cute. Yeah. And that kind of like like meticulously constructed contrast is I think what actually makes a really good tone for a game. Mm-hmm. Like, how, like how Naissance yeah, had the Totoro room. I'm, I'm trying to think of like, is there, is the reverse true? If you have like a really, like relaxed game. It's I think like, relaxing you, is is. Do a you little... need to change up the contrasts or is it? Um, you know, I mean. I think re- having constant relaxing is a little bit easier than uh, on on the player than having constant tension. But to some extent, yeah, I think if something is completely relaxed all the time, it can get kind of boring. Which is, you know, like even in something like let's say Stardew Valley, um, there is a little bit of like tension in the narratives in, that you have with like the characters in like learning about them and their backgrounds. There's tension about like staying out too late and managing your time properly. Um, there's there's a little bit of tension in like going into the mines and like how far are you willing to push it before you, uh, you know, come back out. So they they like it's the game is largely very peaceful and calming and just a bunch of fun activities that don't really punish you for failing. Mm-hmm. But then there are some slightly different tonal things in other aspects of the game in certain mechanics and in certain narrative parts that give you a little bit of contrast and a little bit of sudden point of interest so you don't go like, oh, this is just Farmville and turn it off. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. Um, if, it, if it is just 100% Farmville where it's the same activity and the same tone 100% of the time, you get bored. It's like not enough to really hold your interest unless you have like literally some like predatory, obsessive... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like must complete the bar type mechanics that are not good. Also ignoring the fact how popular Farmville was. Well, but the thing is, it wasn't. It was compulsive. No, there. I I feel like very few people played Farmville because they liked Farmville. They played Farmville because they felt like it was a job that they had to do. Maybe. And, and most people who played Farmville, I think, didn't play it very long. They tried it out. They played it for maybe, like, the Farmville trend was, like, there and gone almost immediately, right? It was, like, a thing that you check in and do, and then you just, if you if you missed a day or two and broke the cycle of, oh, I need to keep up with blank, you just stopped. Yeah. That's why those games relied on, like, huge monetization from a very small number of people rather than, like, monetizing a, a huge like their huge player base because their huge player base was constantly shifting as new people like discovered and then abandoned the game also reminds me of back in my world of warcraft days having to log in and do my fucking dailies every goddamn day <laughs> yeah. <sighs> i can't believe i played that game for so long my god and i i still do that to some extent with flight rising um but for me, Flight Rising is, like, not a game. It's just, like, a thing I do to keep my hands busy. And, <laughs> you know, like, not that I don't think about at all. Yeah, and that's, like, World of Warcraft did have, like, tangible reasons to be doing dailies. 
Especially if you were trying to, you know, gear up for raids and shit. Um, yeah. But I just, oh man, I think about how many how many hours did I spend doing the same fucking quests every day mm-hmm. of my life? But at least it's not Farmville. Yeah. But yeah, so, I don't know. I guess that's all my thoughts. The main thing I wanted to get into was, like, I think, I actually think that, like, in some ways... This is a really interesting game to play to learn what mistakes to avoid with puzzle design, right? It, it would make a really good uh, class in a game design course uh, where you just, the goal is play this game and for every single puzzle, come up with three ways in which this puzzle could be improved to make it friendlier to yeah. the user. Yeah. Right? Like that would be a really good assignment for a game design class. Mm-hmm. That's a good. That's a good way to put a positive spin on it. Yeah. Well, because every every single puzzle that I was in and like, you know, after I'd seen the ending, I immediately thought about like, okay, if I was doing this puzzle, how would I do it differently? Like, yeah. What would I do to fix this? And it's honestly like I felt so worn down. Granted, like because I had such a crazy busy PAX weekend, I did not start this game as soon as I should have, and I played all of it yesterday. So I did feel like some time pressure to complete it. Maybe I would have spent more time trying the puzzles uh, before giving up uh, if I like had more time. Um, I played it across like two 45-minute sessions and an hour-and-a-half session. Mm-hmm. And the last session, I just entirely used the walkthrough. I did not even – like I, I tried uh, – if I came, when I came into a room for a first time, I would look at the puzzle, and if I – if my I would try my first intuitive response to the puzzle, and if that wasn't true, I would just look at the walkthrough. And it was because I felt like ground down by that point. I felt there had been enough times where the solution was not something I ever would have gotten through through just continuing to try it that I stopped giving the game the benefit of the doubt and just looked it up. Yeah, which is a sad sad place to be for a puzzle game. Yes, I agree. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have a whole lot else to say about this either. Yeah, I I wanted this game to be better than it was. I think, like, all, all three of the areas that we talked about, as we said, had the potential to be something interesting, and it's, it's frustrating that they weren't. Yeah. Anyway, all right, shall we? Carl, do you have any last thoughts, or should we move on to the next game? I don't, but from a super tense game to a super relaxing game. Yeah. The next yes. game we're gonna be playing is a short hike by Adam Greer. Something like that. It was released like a month ago, I want to say. Yeah, it looks and it's yeah. cute as fuck. <laughs> super cute. I'm looking forward to playing this one. Yeah. Uh, just looking at the the art on the Steam page, I'm like, oh, I can already tell this is just gonna be real charming. You're like yes. a bird going on a hike. Why are you hiking? You're a bird. I guess we'll find out. Maybe. Yeah, Maybe a that's teen not a bird. Test. Um. A teen yeah. bird named Claire, I think. Aw. All right. Yeah, and it should be uh, this should be relatively short. It's supposedly like an hour long, so this is something that you know if you want to like take an afternoon, try it out. 
come back and, and tell us how charmed you were. Because um, uh, we, uh, we like to have guests on this podcast, uh, as it turns out. Um, and when we can't get the devs of a game, we lo- like to have just listeners come on and, uh, and share their thoughts with us. So yeah. if you want to play uh, a short hike, please come and do so and then come talk to us about it. Yeah, that would be super rad. Yeah. Kelso, how can they come talk to us if they want to come talk to us? You can come talk to us. Uh, our, our The podcast Twitter is at Feedback Force. Uh, and that's mostly just me talking in, you know, as as the collective, uh, the hive mind. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will check that if you message it. And I'll say, hey, come on the podcast. Uh, the other way you can get a hold of us individually, uh, my Twitter is at Kelso Time Bomb. So you can just shoot us a little... I'm doing finger guns. It's not coming across because this is a podcast. This <laughs> is an audio medium. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a thing you can do. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to contact me, I will be uh, posting probably a... I want to post like a thread of just like links to all the games that I talked about at the beginning of this. Um, so people can like watch their trailers and get mm-hmm. hyped. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter at Kyla underscore go. Uh, and if you're more specifically interested in the game I'm working on, you can follow at Wintermore TC for Wintermore Tactics Club. No E on the end of Wintermore. Sometimes people mess that up. Um, just M-O-O-R. Uh, and then, uh, you can go to WintermoreTC.com if you'd like to just get more general information. Carl. You can follow me. On Twitter at Skuggy3. Anything you're working on, uh, Carl? Mm, kinda. Okay. Yeah, you 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 teased some stuff last week, but I'm sure I'm sure Carl will tell us when he's ready. Last week. Well, you know, last podcast, whenever it was. Um, you said you were working on something and that you weren't ready oh, to yeah, share. Oh, you did. I forgot yeah. about that. We were only two. And we have other stuff to do. So it's yeah. slow. That's how it yeah. is. That's the, the indie life. Living <laughs> that indie life with full day job. Um, all right. Thanks for joining us, folks. Thanks yeah. for listening to us rant. Yep. We will be back in a couple weeks. Yeah. Playing a cute game. Talking about cute games. Should be a good time. Hopefully we will be less frustrated. Yeah, really, really hope to be less frustrated. Uh, but yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.